Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas in personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Hey there, Mind Valley podcast fans! Welcome to another episode. This episode's really unique because the guest that I'm bringing on is actually my wife, Christina Lakiani. Christina Gav. An eye-opening talk at Mind Valley University in Tallinn, Estonia, this past summer, and it was about happiness. Now, every time Christina speaks, I actually learn something from her. She's a brilliant woman, and she has a really interesting way of looking at personal growth. See, she started out as a skeptic. Christina was born in Estonia, and when she grew up in Estonia, it was part of the Soviet Union. Spirituality and a lot of the things that we take for granted were not really tolerated. So she was skeptical about everything. We started dating in the year 2000, and as time went on, she slowly started through her own lens of the world, discovering personal growth. And again, coming from that background as a skeptic, she was a brilliant student, even given a gold medal by the prime minister. She looked at personal growth. From a highly intellectual perspective, and that skeptical inquiry helped to really separate the crap from what's real. There's a lot of fluff when it comes to talking about happiness. Christina's going to go beyond the fluff, and in this podcast episode, which is a recording of her talk from Mind Valley University, Tallinn, she's going to share six long-term strategies to help you feel happier over time. She'll cover theories from scientists like Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi. The father of flow. She will bring in ideas from methods such as the Silva method, and she'll also host a guided meditation, which will be available to you. So let's get started with this podcast episode. And this is the Mind Valley Podcast. I want to start with a quote by one of the guys whose quotes I really, really enjoy. And Vishen was saying that he's had this one quote for ten years on his Facebook. I've had this quote accompany me for twenty years, or maybe more than that, even before Facebook times, because I truly believe that this is a very deep quote. Life is too important. To be taken seriously. So, in our family, I'm the clown. <laughs> I'm the person who takes fun very seriously, who takes fun professionally, and I really think that we, as a humanity, have to lighten up. And fortunately, especially in our niche, in our sphere, in personal growth, we're already talking about love, about connectedness, but. Truly, I believe that joy and happiness are such high emotions that we are sometimes underestimating the importance of truly having fun and enjoying every single moment. So I'm going to talk about happiness. Do you guys know what is happiness? <laughs> Scientists don't research happiness. I looked into science of happiness. I looked into the research, and I discovered that there is not much research on happiness. And there's one simple reason: it's really hard to define what is happiness. It's really hard to quantify it. It's a very subjective thing. It's our perception. So, because of that, scientists don't really seriously study happiness, and we have to rely on ourselves, on our environment, to learn how to be happy. And I believe that actually, like everything good in this life, 
Happiness is a natural state of being. Happiness is the state in which we are born, or not maybe so much happiness as joy. As children, we actually know how to be happy. So the girl on this picture is Eve. When I look at Eve, who is four years old, you know, she wake up in the morning and she's usually happy and joyful. And then sometimes our son Hayden bucks her a little bit or makes fun of her, teases her, and then she starts crying, but she forgets it very quickly. She moves on, she forgives Hayden, and she's happy again. Or sometimes she runs around and falls off the staircase and bruises her knee, and then she cries because it's painful. But then when the pain goes away, she's happy again. So this is the natural state that we are born with, and somehow we unlearn from being happy by default. And I really like one quote by Vision, which is, realism is the socially acceptable form of pessimism. So we learn to be realists because this is socially acceptable. And why I talked about children is that in the basis of what I'm teaching when I talk about happiness, is this theory by Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, who is much more known for the theory of flow, but he also has come up with the theory of hedonistic adaptation. And when I was talking about children and Eve and her ability to become joyful and happy again, that's exactly the illustration of what this theory means. We all have our set point, our default level of happiness or joy. And then, whatever happens in our lives, we sometimes go a little bit off that set point of that default, and then we get back to that default state. And this theory is actually relevant to a lot of things in our lives, like to our weight, to our financial abundance. And it is also true about happiness, which is why you have people who have actually a lot of misfortune in their life, yet they're happy. Or people who seemingly have everything, and yet they're always grumpy. So my teaching about happiness or how to become more happy is based in that theory. And our point is actually to raise the default, the set point of happiness. And here I want to explain one interesting concept. What do we do when we are sometimes down? We have our variety of methods to deal with being down, with being unhappy, with being stressed. And sometimes these are nice methods, like in my case, having a piece of chocolate. Chocolate is answer to everything. <laughs> or sometimes it's going and talking to a friend or meditating. And sometimes they are a little bit more destructive, like having a glass of wine, gossiping, or maybe going to drugs, medications, smoking, overeating. There are a lot of different little measures that we undertake to feel a little bit better. And it's okay. But the problem with these measures is that they are instant gratification type of remedies against not feeling so good. And the theory of hedonistic adaptation is hinting that these things are temporary. It's an instant gratification methodology which brings you back to your default state. So to become a happier person, you should not resort more to those little things which eventually wear off. You actually need to look into long-term strategies which help you raise your set point of happiness. And the problem with these little measures, the instant gratification type of measures, is that not only the effect wears off pretty quickly, but also they stop having such an effect on you, like with any medication. And eventually they may create an addiction where you start doing that thing over and over again and it just stops helping. And it is true not about only the destructive means, such as, I don't know, drinking, smoking, taking drugs. It is actually also true about 
less destructive methods, like taking a walk in the park or meditating. They're all good remedies, the less destructive ones, like walking, breathing, meditating, talking to friends. But as long as they are instant gratification type of methodology, they will only help you feel a little bit better. And we'll go deeper into that as I go on about some of the things which may happen. So I have come up with six practices which are maybe not so efficient in the now when you apply them when you are being unhappy, but they are long-term strategy and they actually help you feel happier over time. I'm actually not going to go deep into each of them. I will go deep into some of them my favorite ones. <laughs> so one of them is the gratitude. Mind Valley community, of course, is very familiar with gratitude. But gratitude is a beautiful example of long-term strategy over instant gratification. Because the thing is that when you express gratitude, you do feel a little bit better. But generally, it doesn't make you feel euphoric, ecstatic, joyful. It just makes you feel a little bit better. It shifts your perspective. But the thing is that there is a research that shows that if you express gratitude on a daily basis for 30 days, your perception of your own happiness goes up 25%. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. We have to look into long-term strategies, which maybe in the instant are not as effective, but in the long term, they help you raise your set points of happiness. So I'm not going to go very deep into gratitude. I'll just maybe reiterate for those who maybe haven't seen me on stage so often. We like the six-phase meditation, and gratitude is one of the six phases. And you express gratitude for the things that you are grateful for in your work life, your mission, your purpose, in your personal life, and for the things that you're grateful for in yourself. So this is the exercise we do on a daily basis to raise our set point of happiness. Another methodology which I really love is the idea of being present. And the guy who really talks well about that is, of course, Eckhart Tolle, with his teaching of the power of now. And this is another interesting idea which maybe doesn't have such a strong effect in this moment when you apply it, but it really works wonders if you practice it over time. And the idea here is that in reality, time is an illusion. There is no future and there is no past. And most of the unpleasant emotions that we feel, they have something to do with either the future or the past. If we are scared, if we are stressed, it is usually because we are afraid about something that might happen in the future, usually. And if we feel, let's say, resentment or anger, this kind of negative emotion is also usually rooted in the past. And the happiness is the emotion that you feel in the present. If you move happiness to the future, it will become excitement. If you move happiness to the past, it will become usually nostalgia. But the truth is that the happiness, the true, pure joy, is in the present moment and only in the present moment. So if you practice consciousness and bringing yourself back to present moment, that actually over time works wonders, your set point of happiness starts going up. And here I want to just illustrate, bring up a situation which I'm sure some of you might be familiar with. So as Jason said, I have a family, I have children, and I also have a business. I like them both. I actually have three children. My two actual children, my business, and vision, four. <laughs> so we have a tradition in the family. When my kids go to sleep, I sing to them. So I sing the songs and I like singing because as I sing, I can actually think about other things. 
So I sing the lullaby to my children, and then I'm thinking of that video, that vlog I have to record, and what am I supposed to talk about that? And at that moment, I suddenly realize how quickly children grow and how quickly that moment passes. And here I am in the most blissful moment imaginable with the two most loved creatures in my life lying right next to me, peaceful, healthy, in a nice home. I'm singing to them, and I'm thinking about some irrelevant stuff in the future. So that is exactly what I'm talking about. The happiness is in the now. If you just manage to catch that moment and bring yourself back to now, there is so much to be happy about. You walk out into the nature and you feel the freshness of the air. That's a moment to be happy about. Because how many times we don't even notice how we breathe, what we see around us. And when we see these things around us, if we don't bring ourselves back to the now to notice the life might just pass by without us truly learning what is happiness. So I'm going to go now into more fun things. For a long time, I resisted adding this to my list of six. Because, you know, in personal growth, we have the idea that transformation starts with taking on personal responsibility onto yourself. And there is this beautiful thing that says that we don't need anyone for happiness. Happiness is within you. But if you've ever had a child sick or a parent sick or a fight with a person that you love, with a friend, with your spouse, you know that it is really hard for this wisdom to make sense in that very moment. I remember when our son Hayden went into appendectomy, and it is a very fairly simple operation for about one hour. I had to wait for two hours. <laughs> But these two hours seemed like the longest time in my life because I wasn't sure what was going to happen to my most dear person in my life. And Even if for these two hours I was sitting somewhere in the corner meditating, telling myself that the happiness in me, I don't need anyone for happiness, it wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have helped. And that's the interesting thing about transformation. There is so much wisdom around, so many ideas that we hear over and over again, and we say, yes, I know, yes, I know, yes, I know, but they don't take root. They don't make sense. They don't make sense in the moment when you need them to make sense. So I've realized that in my life, at least, hard moments and revelations happen in the most unexpected places. For example, that whole idea that happiness is within you and you don't need anyone for happiness. I discovered what it truly means once when I was driving to work. And I believe that wisdom makes sense if you can feel it within yourselves. The moment when you realize, ah, now I get it what it is. Now I get it what you were talking about. That's when it takes root and it starts making sense in your life. But until then, on the conscious level, all the wisdom you know, it doesn't matter if you don't live it. So the happiness within you. I learned it as I was going to work and there was this Estonian radio playing and there was this popular song playing. It's called OK and it has the words, it's gonna be okay. And as I was listening to the song, I suddenly felt myself like I was 18 again. I was careless, I had nothing to worry about. And I felt in that moment that no matter what happens, as long as I have myself, I will get back to being okay. But this is just as long as I have myself. And in the moment when something is happening to you and your loved ones, it is okay that you do not feel happy. It is okay. Because you are a social being. And what is I? Is I just this physical body? Or is I all of this? Is I, is me, perception of me, does it include you? Or does it only include me? So in that moment, I felt 
that yes, as long as I have myself, I'll be okay. But it is also okay to not feel so happy when something is wrong with the person who is really close to you. So after that journey, I gave in. I trusted the scientists who said that the number one correlation with happiness is in your social connections. So finally, a month ago, I've added relationship to the list. So the strength of your social relationships is super important for happiness. There was this really beautiful study. You can find the talk by Robert Waldinger. It was the longest study in the history of humankind that shows that this is truly so. You have to surround yourself by people whom you love, whom you care about, who you attach to, even though it means that sometimes you might be a little bit unhappy if something happens to them. So, just to sum up that idea about the relationships, the scientists have shown that people in relationship, they are healthier, they heal better, and they live longer. And the reverse is true. As Vishen said, social isolation is the epidemic in the current day society. And he said it is despite Facebook and Instagram, but I would say it is also because of Facebook and Instagram. We are forgetting how to interact. We're forgetting what it is to truly connect to each other. Facebook and Instagram is another layer which we put on ourselves. This is another thing we have to learn to deal with and not to lose the social connection. And I've also heard that social isolation is apparently the number one killer in the current day society. Because social isolation makes you less likely heal from, let's say, such things as cancer or cardiovascular disease. So relationships are important, not just for happiness, but also for our health and longevity. And the story I was telling you about how I realized that as long as I have myself, everything is going to be okay, brings me to my next point, to the next strategy for you to learn to be happy and to raise your set points of happiness. This is self-love. And truly, you cannot be happy unless you truly accept and love yourself. It is clear that you cannot truly be happy unless you are happy with yourself. And I know the number one question that I hear when I talk about this topic is, but where do I know the difference between healthy self-love and actually egoism or unhealthy, you know, relationships to yourself or self-centeredness? And I haven't lived a very long life, only 40 years, but that piece of life has taught me one thing, that almost all the bad things that we do to other people are because we don't truly love ourselves. Because if we truly love and accept ourselves, we don't need to prove anything to anyone. We don't need to prove anyone wrong, to show anything to anyone. And that's where all the unhealthy stuff happens, is when you truly don't have the self-love. And people who seem that they're self-obsessed, this is them compensating for the lack of love for themselves. This is what Vishen was talking about. I'm really sorry, kids, but unfuckwithable is exactly when you do not need anybody's approval to be okay with yourself. And a lot of the times when I hear somebody saying, oh, they're so full of themselves, that's exactly the problem. We do not see. We only see the mask. We only see what social media shows us. We don't see the void and the pain in those people. We only are nasty if we don't love ourselves truly, which is why I think this is a very important point in learning to be happy. And there is never such thing as too much love for yourself. And I'm going to go further because I'm coming to the two of my favorite practices in the theory of how to live a happier life, how to learn to have your set point of happiness higher. And one of them is 
of course, dealing with the negative. When we talk about happiness, often we talk about shifting the perception, looking at things differently, you know, seeing the light versus the dark. But the truth is, there are both. There's light, there's dark. I come from Malaysia, we don't have seasons there. And I remember when I lived in Estonia, I loved spring. And spring is not as warm as summer, but just the sight of sun makes you feel happy. Just a little bit of warmth when you can take off those gloves and feel the air on your hands, that makes you happy. And you can only truly appreciate spring if you have survived the winter. So what I'm talking about is there is going to be negative in our life. And the art to learning to be happy is not to ignore or not notice the negative or be okay with the negative. It is actually to learn to work with it. And as I was going to A-Fest, that's where I first made this new version of this talk. I saw the two books, Fuck Love, Fuck Feelings, and it suddenly dawned on me This is the problem with current society. There was another book which was super famous, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. And I think that's exactly the problem. We're so obsessed with the idea of not giving a damn that we are forgetting that the point of life is to experience it, not to let it pass by you, but to let it pass through you. And there is such an interesting thing called spiritual bypassing. And the idea of that is that when we feel negative emotions, there are three scenarios. Scenario number one is to ignore the negative emotions, to say, no, I'm not feeling that. I'm not feeling angry. I'm not feeling dislike for that person because I'm not supposed to. In personal growth field, this is a particularly strong epidemic because we are perfectionists. We have the perfect idea of a Zen life, of a Zen happy life. Nothing bothers me. I love everything. I feel joy about everything. And it's beautiful, but it is also dangerous. I was an all-A student in school. I got two medals, not one, two medals. One for studying really well and one from the president of the country because I was the best student in my school. So I know what is perfectionism. Perfectionism spells paralysis. It also spells unhappiness. So we have this perfect vision of what is Zen life. And then when we feel anything less than Zen, like angry, stressed, worried, scared, or even worse, dislike for someone, hmm? jealousy, haven't we felt anything of that? What happens? We have three scenarios. We ignore, we say, I don't feel that, because Zen person doesn't feel that. Another one is we whitewash it. Rather than saying, I feel angry with you, we say, oh, I'm so disappointed. Or something nicer, something more acceptable, something more fitting to the picture of perfectionism. And the third trap is to actually jump into transforming this negative emotion into something productive. And all these three behaviors are called spiritual bypassing, because what happens is that we don't really deal with the negativity. We pretend it does not exist, or that it's something else, but it does. And like any energy, if you don't deal with that, if you don't let it pass, it's going to short-circuit in you and make the situation worse. And eventually, it is going to explode like a nuclear bomb. So this lady, Susan David, She has a beautiful TED talk. You can go and see it on YouTube. She goes even further. 
She says, what is negative emotion and what is positive emotion? There are emotions which we want to experience and there are emotions which we don't want to experience. So, for example, before I was going on stage at AFEST, and in 15 AFEST, that was my first time. I was scared. I had the pressure on. Vision's wife is going on stage. I was so scared. But the day before AFEST, I was having a good appetite. I was laughing, playing around, partying, and I was thinking to myself, what is going on with me? Why I'm not nervous? <laughs> and that made me really nervous. <laughs> and the next morning, I woke up and went for breakfast. That was the day of when I was doing the speech, and I didn't have appetite. I was like, yes, I'm nervous. <laughs> the truth is that I know that if I'm nervous before I go on stage, I do better. <laughs> so in my view of life, being nervous before going on stage is an emotion that I want more of, right? Is it a negative or a positive emotion. The same with love, and that's a dangerous one. I'm sure some people will not like me for saying that. We all love love. We all love to share love. We all want to experience love. But is it the kind of love that we feel here at Mind Valley events, like, oh, I love my community, I love my family? Or is it the kind of love which might make us feel insecure because you love a man, in my case, let's say, <laughs> or a woman loves a man? and she develops an attachment, and that might hurt her. I would say that current-day society is much more craving for that kind of love, which is easy and doesn't create attachments, and is afraid of the kind of love that can create pain or attachment. So you see, we're talking about the same emotion, yet we want more of one side of that emotion and less of the other side of that emotion. So Susan David talks exactly about that, that the question is not even about positive or negative emotions. The question is, in which kind of emotions do we want more of and which kind of emotions do we want less of? And now what I'm talking about is that whatever emotions we feel, they're good. And we just need to learn how to deal with them. If you come out of the gym and you feel every single muscle in your body, you would say it's pain. Yet, that pain reminds you of the muscles you forgot existed. That pain feels like life going through your cells. This is the nice kind of pain, right? So I'm coming back to that thought that I wanted to say. Our goal here on this planet Earth is not to be dead before we are dead. Our goal here is to actually experience life, go through us and not past us, which is why I want to talk about this beautiful movie called Inside Out. It's a great movie, really great movie, because it is exactly about that. You know, emotions are very much like our physical body. If we feel pain, it's because we need to pay attention to that part of our life. The same way, if we didn't feel physical pain, we might lose a leg in the process of running without realizing that because we don't feel the pain, which is why we need emotions of all sorts. And this movie talks beautifully about that. It's a movie about a girl who is mostly run by joy. And when things goes wrong in her life, rather than allowing other emotions to express themselves, she suppresses them, which takes to the full and whole ruin of her life. And for those who haven't seen the movie, I'm not going to spoil the ending, but the point is that whatever emotions you experience are there for a reason. And I'm going to advertise <laughs> another speaker, but mostly because I really love this guy, Galen Tupton. He's going to be at this event, on this stage. He talks beautifully about experiencing pain in your life. 
he has had a really long, complicated relationship with learning what is pain about and how to work with it. So from psychological theory, what you do when you feel a negative emotion, first of all, you acknowledge that it exists. You give it a true and fair and honest name without spiritual bypassing. You actually acknowledge, this is what I feel. You allow yourself to feel it. To feel it, and every emotion feels in your body in a certain way, which actually helps. I like the connection between emotions and the physical body, because by translating your emotions into physical body, it's easier to work with them. So let's say if you feel fear and it's somewhere in your stomach, just relaxing that part of your body really helps. Or if you feel like anger and it's up here, breathing deeper really helps. So you allow that emotion to be, and Gelung Tupton is going to talk deeper about what it is. Honestly, when I heard him for the first time, he blew my mind. I could not get my brain back together for a long time. And then after you let it be, that's when you're ready to move on and transform this emotion, but you have to let it be. So I'm not going to go any further in this, because I have the last, the sixth element to learning to be a happier person. And this is forgiveness. And maybe by now you've noticed that it is a little bit ironic because I'm talking about happiness, yet I've talked about a lot of negative stuff. <laughs> because I think the whole idea is actually to learn to deal with everything that life throws on you. And one thing that life will throw on you are negative emotions in the form of being upset with someone. Forgiveness is also one of the phases of the six-phase meditation. But before we go into forgiveness in the context of six-phase meditation, usually we have to work through a lot of negative stuff before that. I was wondering, why is it so hard for us to forgive? And I've had an experience where I had to forgive someone. It took me a few years to get through that. And I think that the point is that we are sometimes thinking that forgiveness is about, you know, if I forgive, the evil is not going to be punished. So we don't want to forgive because we want some kind of learning out of that or the evil to be punished. But the truth is that forgiveness is not a practice for anyone else but for you. Being upset with someone is like taking poison, hoping that the person who upset you is going to suffer. If you're upset with someone, if you're angry with someone, if you hold a grudge against someone, the only person who's suffering is you. Just you. And the moment when you realize that, the moment when you realize that forgiveness is not about the other person who has hurt you, but it is only about you, you have much more motivation to work on that. I'll close with a quote. When Vishen was speaking a long time ago on the same stage with Dalai Lama and a whole bunch of really amazing people, we had a chance to talk to Dalai Lama. And that was from my past days when I was more working in the NGOs with refugees and not so much with Mindvalley. And I had this dilemma, which I asked the Dalai Lama. I said, you know, Every day I see human misery because refugees go through really hard stories. And I work with refugees in Asia, so I'm talking about Burmese refugees. Really, really sad stories. Yet, I'm also a co-founder of Mindvalley, that is teaching people to live happier, more fulfilled, more extraordinary lives. How do you reconcile these two? And he said a very simple thing. You cannot help anyone, Christina, if you're not happy. And the closing is, be happy. Thank you. Hey, Mind Valley Podcast fans. And if you like this talk, we'd love to hear your feedback and we'd love to have you leave us a review. Also, if you enjoyed this talk, you might want to check out Christina on Instagram. It's Instagram.com at Christina with a K, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-A-M-A-N-D. She writes interesting posts on different aspects of personal growth from a woman's perspective. And I think you're going to find some of her ideas absolutely 
fascinating. I'm Vishen Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast.